How y'all doing? So far, so good. Uh, you may have noticed, those of you who regularly attend, um, that Phil and Liz, our usual priests, are not here. They are with the vestry at St. Dorothy's Rest for the vestry retreat, which means we're like the kids at home over the weekend with keys to the liquor cabinet, right? Um, also, <laughs> see, he laughs, because he was there. Um, <laughs> Also this week, they were trying to figure out how to list me in the bulletin, and one of the options was selfie extremist. So this is selfie number 14 for the day. I've been sending them to them at the retreat. So if y'all, hold on. Everyone say hello. Perfect. Leave the kids alone. This is what happens. All right, so it's Sunday, right? Okay, skip. We're here. We're here. We are confessing our sins, receiving the Holy Spirit, taking Jesus into our bodies, and being reminded of our role as Christians in the world. So I thought I would bring up the subject of love. So let's do that. The Lord be with you. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Make these words more than words and give us all the spirit of Jesus. Amen. If you feel like you've met Jesus, but Jesus does not love you because you are an imperfect creature, well, I promise you that whoever it is you think you've met, you ain't met Jesus. If you feel like you've met Jesus, but Jesus' love comes without insisting on personal and societal accountability, well, I promise you that whoever it is you think you've met, he ain't Jesus. And if you feel like you've met Jesus, but Jesus despises the same people whom you despise, well, I promise you that whoever it is you think you've met, he ain't Jesus either. So welcome to this gospel reading from Luke's fourth chapter this morning. Sweet Lord, but this is tough. I make my preaching students read this passage the first day of class every semester. Are you sure you want to preach? <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> they don't. Truth is, we are all called to preach. All of us are called to proclaim Christ in the world in some fashion. It's right there in your baptismal covenant. If you forgot, I suggest you look and read it again. So in some ways, this cannot be news to any of us. And we know that speaking as Jesus spoke, or now 2,000 years later, speaking about how Jesus spoke is dangerous business. The job description also includes turning over tables, telling the devil to stick it, reminding your lovely, well-meaning friends that they have no idea what they're talking about is also a possibility. And if we are to believe Luke's story this morning about Jesus preaching at his parents' synagogue, you will be run out of town by people who claim to love you. 
how quickly the crowd goes from, isn't that Mary and Joseph's boy? To let's throw him off a cliff. That's love. Let's put ourselves in their place just for a second. They don't understand Jesus. They don't know who he is yet. He's just getting started. They have reputations, past and present, to work with. That's it. They don't know anything about him. Instead, they might see someone pure, perhaps. That good boy who used to mow their lawn or take care of their cats when they were on vacation in Jerusalem. Right? Or maybe they see someone cool. The celebrity preacher who's come back home to shake things loose. He's all cigarettes and cynicism. And have you tried his homebrew? It's awesome. I have. It's fabulous. We have it every Easter vigil. Or perhaps they see someone who is aloof. A great teacher of the esoteric, that kid who stayed behind at the temple when he was just 12 years old to show off, all swelled head and no good to anybody. Of course, what they're seeing in those moments ain't Jesus either. Instead, they're seeing their own desires or their own prejudices incarnate. They are seeing themselves in some way. We all do this. We hope to see in Christ someone we recognize, someone we understand, someone that we hope to comprehend. That ain't Jesus. And they were as disappointed as you and I are. So they become enraged. Their hopes dashed and their worst fears realized, and they try to kill Mary and Joseph's boy. Luke was trying to get people to understand that Jesus did not come to make anyone comfortable, except for the poor, the blind those in captivity, and the oppressed. Jesus wants those folks to be saved in the here and now and not the hereafter, just like his mother taught him. You might remember this. God has scattered those who are arrogant in their understanding. He has pulled the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things. God has sent the rich empty away. His mama taught him that. Tell me, how is this good news for everyone? It's not. Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed. He did not come with good news for anyone else. Or at least, that's what the people gathered there to hear him thought he said, I mean, in some sense, he said it, right? He stood up and that, he got the scroll and he read this wonderful thing and basically it's very clear, I'm not here for you. God's salvation is not just for you, it's for other folk. And like anyone who responded to the Me Too movement with, but I'm not like those guys, they lash out. 
They cannot stand the message. They cannot stand the messenger. Like many of us, they showed up expecting to hear one thing and instead heard something else. It's Sunday. We're here. We are confessing our sins, receiving the Holy Spirit, taking Jesus into our bodies, and being reminded of our role as Christians in the world. So I thought I would bring up the subject of love. It seems important somehow. The people in the synagogue that day wanted to be told that they were loved. That's all. They wanted to be told that they were going to be okay, that God had not forgotten them and God's promise to them. So when Jesus said God loves those other people, they heard God doesn't love you. That's not what he said, but that's what they heard. Tell me this sounds familiar. I'll give the former Baptist preacher an amen if you're tracking me right now. Thank you. So they try to strike him down. A perceived threat, a bearer of ill will, a false prophet. Then Jesus does what Jesus always does. He refuses to fight back. Love is patient. Love is kind. He leaves them to their rage to work it out for themselves. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Like the Holy Spirit sighing, he walks through the crowd like a ghost. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things things. Love never ends. So here's the subtext to the whole story. Y'all, Jesus loves you. Hear that. Have no doubt in that ever. No matter what you hear from someone else, no matter what you tell yourself with that wicked little voice that is deep down in your soul that insists that you are not lovable, exorcise that mess out. Get it out. Love it until it goes silent, whatever it takes. Jesus is the very embodiment of God's love for you. And you, and you, and even me. Jesus is here for you just as much as he is for anyone else, even if he's not talking about your salvation right now. Jesus wants you to grow, mature, stretch, heal, and above all else, love all of creation as passionately as he does. This Jesus will call you out 
when you don't step up and empower you to step up anyway. This Jesus will not hesitate to forgive you when you inevitably make a hash of things. We all make a hash of things. Count on it. If this ain't the Jesus that you've encountered, then you haven't met him yet. Don't worry. You will. For we know only in part and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. I don't know. Truth be told, I don't know. It's hard to say for certain. But I might have met the real Jesus once. But for now I see only in a mirror dimly but then we will see face to face. That's another story for another sermon. We have different things to do here this morning. Let it be enough to say that I met him and I am still absolute rubbish at living like he wants me to. I'm rubbish on a basic interpersonal level. I'm rubbish at a societal level. I prefer politeness to vulnerability. And I prefer cool intellectual cynicism to the courage it takes to change the systems that harm all of us, even when Jesus is standing before me, reading from the scroll, proclaiming the year of the Jubilee in my presence. Friends, receiving the love of Christ is terrifying. It's unmooring. And yet it is our call as Christians to be loved by Christ, to love as Christ. Now I know only in part then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. So here we are. It's Sunday. We're confessing our sins, receiving the Holy Spirit, taking Jesus into our bodies and being reminded of our role as Christians in the world. So I thought I would bring up the subject of love. Seems important somehow. 